are tuned in to the Way of Healing podcast, where we inspire humans to connect more deeply to their experience of life. My name is OJ. My name is Casey. We are connecting with practitioners to talk about the potential of the innate healing powers within. Hello, and welcome back to the Way of Healing podcast. I'm Casey. I'm OJ. Today, we have a wonderful guest, Aishel. Aishel is a holistic healer. She's a holistic arts healer, and she works with osteopathy. She works with plant medicine. She works with shamanistic practices. She works, what else does she work with? What am I leaving out of? What else do you work with? Oh, we can just ask her. Aishel, welcome. (laughs) Yeah, hello. Thank you so much for having me here. I love to, to do guided meditations for people, and I also work with uh, sacred beauty and transformational thought. So I like to help people to, to think in ways that are empowering and changing their inner narratives and the way they, they tell stories to themselves about themselves and about the world around them. Very cool. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Thank you. How did your, uh, your journey as a healer begin? So that's um, a good question. <laughs> so I, I was born in Brazil, and in Brazil, it's a it's a very interesting country because um, everybody is kind of a believer into something uh, bigger than themselves. It's a very spiritual country, I would say. Everybody believes in something, most of the people. And I've been exposed to to different beliefs and religions and approaches, you know, from uh, the native people, from the Afro-religion influences, Christianism, spirituality. I would say that my my path as a healer even started something when I was very young. I was seven years old and um, my my grandfather passed away. And it was the first person, first member of my family who died. And I was struck with that feeling, oh, wow, one day we're here and the next day we're not. And how is it possible that this person that I love so much, I'll never see him again? And I was seven years old. And then all of a sudden having all these questions, those philosophical questions of, uh, well, if he's not here anymore, where did he go? And, uh, well, wait a minute, maybe one day I wasn't here too. And where did I come from and where I'm going to go? But then it's like, okay, this is like the beginning and the end, but what am I doing here? Like right now? Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Why am I here? At seven years old. That's a deep question that. at seven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like at seven years old, I was like, why do I exist? So I didn't have an answer for that for for a long time. And it's still a question that is pertinent today, you know, like just as a check-in, like why why am I existing? Why I am consuming food and keeping my body alive and what what I am doing with this gift of life. But I didn't know that uh, that was probably the beginning of my my healing journey, but uh, that was. And then I remember like growing up in the 80s in Brazil, and every time I would get sick, and would have a pill or would have an antibiotic. And, you know, like this feeling that the doctor had the answer for me, and that um, if I was sick, I had to go to the doctor, and I would take a pill, and I would eventually feel better. But then I started feeling sometimes that I would take a pill and my 
my stomach would react and then I had to take another pill and then my liver would act out and then I had to take a tonic and then, you know, like all this different symptoms that would show up. And I was like, there's something off with this. And I didn't know exactly, but I knew that there must be a different solution. So, you know, back in the days, in the end of 80s, beginning of the 90s, there was no internet and everything happened like more like in a serendipitous way. Like you're just walking in the street and then there's this new stand and with the magazines and there was this alternative healing magazine. And I was like, hmm, alternative medicines and healing, what is that? And I remember that I had my, my pocket money that I would, you know, gather here and there. And it's like, that was one of, one of the first things that I bought in a magazine stand by my own will, you know, besides the cartoons for kids, you know, yeah. that I liked. Or, yeah. <laughs> and then in those magazines, I started just seeing that there are other ways for, for healing that you could... Uh, drink some teas and eat some plants and change your some habits in your life and that would prevent you getting sick in the first place and then i think for me that was like a, a big awakening you know like okay the body is healthy that's we are born like except if you have like a you know like some congenital disease and you're born in with a with a difficult state, but we are born healthy. We are born vibrant. We are born with so much vitality. We come into this world with this like luminous energy and the environment triggers us to, to react and to, you know, get into a balance with the environment. So the environment can make us sick and all the life around us. But if we cultivate that uh, energy, that uh, primal energy, that chi, that prana, that uh, life force, we don't need to, to go and trying to find a cure for a symptom. We are like keeping that baseline of health. So I think that's, that's the right beginning. But there were many other things that happened afterwards that brought me into becoming a healer, like I can say, you know, like uh, I was saying in the beginning uh, that this word healer is something that can be controversial, you know, when you, you say, oh, I am a healer, you know, it can mean that, yeah, you, you help other people to heal or you heal yourself, but there are some negative connotations with it. But I never thought I would become a healer. That was not when I was a kid. I thought I was going to be an architect or a writer or a biologist or something like that. But I didn't think I was going to be a healer. And it happened uh, in a way that was very um, organic. So when I was a teenager, I was a dancer and uh, I was doing all those physical practices and I would get like a pull, pulled muscle or a good overexert and then it would hurt an articulation. And then I would go to see um, a body worker, a massage or acupuncture. And I would get so curious and so impressed how every time that I had a session afterwards, I would feel even better than before I was injured. I was like, wow, they touched this part of my body and uh, I have more flexibility and I have more vitality than before. There's, this is magic. And then it started that, that curiosity led me into going to learn those things. And at the time I was, you know, pursuing performing arts, like acting and dancing. 
And my friends who were also acting and dancing would get hurt and say, well, so you're learning those stuff. Like, do you want to, to practice it on me? I was like, yeah. And my clients, you know, were the beginning were just people around me that were also curious and open to, to receive what I was learning. And then I became a healer in that sense. You know, I became, I started to help people around me that were experiencing similar pains that I was feeling and uh, I felt that I could help them. And then I, I went into this spiral of healing and, and healing myself and discovering that it was not just about the body and more, you know, that emotions and mind and everything together. And yeah, that's being 20 years almost. So, yeah. What was it like being a healer in Brazil? I know, I don't know, but... The country is can be very religious, and then there's the indigenous side that's very connected to nature and energy and whatnot. So what was it like growing up with those two different ways of looking at spirituality? Hmm. Yeah, I remember when I was a little kid, there was this healer uh, who lived a few blocks away from my house, and she was like a very, very old woman in her 70s or 80s, and she, her name was uh, Dona Benedicina, <laughs> which means like um, Lady Benedict, like uh, like uh, the blessed one. And I would go, to, we would go to her house, like in our way to school, me and my sister, and she would do her healings like for free. We were kids, you know. And my mother brought us there for the first time because she was supposed to take out the evil eye, you know? So it was like a, what she would give was like a herbal blessing that was a protection with rue, you know, the plant, a fresh rue. She had a garden, plenty of a fresh rue, and she, she would clip some of the branches and would sit down on the floor with my legs straight and then she would pull my head my my arms up my head and I'd do a little crack in the back and then do some um, some blessing with the herbs and some water and i remember feeling that like wow that that i would feel lighter with that but i couldn't really like explain and some people would think oh this is just like um superstition you know but I remember that my mom brought me there and then I just I would just go by myself because it was in the, the way to the school. And once in a while, I was like, oh, I'm going to go go see Dona Benedicina yeah. and me and my sister, you know. How old were you when you first saw her? I don't know, five years old. Wow. Yeah, something like that. And this, this is the first person that I remember like, wow, this is a healer. But then when my... My grandfather passed away. My mom, who is a Christian, Catholic Christian, she also felt there was like something else. And then she brought me to this um, Kardecist uh, center in Brazil, this uh, Allan Kardec, mm -hmm. who um, works with more like mediumship and connection, like and receiving uh, messages from people who are deceased and also doing some uh, energy healing with the hands, like just like an aura cleansing thing. Yeah. And I would go with my mom every week to that and listen to the lectures of that tradition. And I remember that I didn't like going to the Catholic church much. I found it was too like 
solenel and stiff. And then all that, there was that heaviness of feeling that you were a sinner and that you were doing something wrong and that yeah. you would go burn into hell. Yes. I, I didn't like that very much. <laughs> You're not the only one. <laughs> but, but, you know, but, but there was variety, you know, in Brazil. Like, there was that, and then there was, um, there was this healer, and there was, in Brazil, there is the Afro-religions that mm -hmm. are Umbanda and Candomblé. So there was a center at some point that was in front of my house. So I would not go there because my mom was like, oh, no, they, they do black magic, don't yeah. go there. But they, I would listen to their drumming all night. So growing up in Brazil with all that, those influences is like very eclectic and made me a, a very like open-minded and just accepting the different ways people have to connect with spirit and yeah. with with the uh, and with the sacred. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love how you were exposed so young to these different ways of thinking and being. Mm -hmm. and how at that young age you you saw what was possible mm -hmm. um, and you weren't confined to just one viewpoint whether that's just the western way of looking at healing and health or the christian catholic way of looking at spirit and spirituality mm -hmm. you were expanded at a very young age and part of what we're doing with this podcast is trying to expand as many people's thinking as possible yeah. So there's something that I want, I would like to talk about uh, regarding that, because, um, you know, as I said, like uh, the Catholic church with all that heaviness and uh, the stories of a sinner and uh, feeling that, you know, like uh, you're going to burn into hell and all that. Later on in my life, I heard about uh, a church in Brazil that's called the Santo Daime that works with ayahuasca, but it is a Christian church. Whoa. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of it, but no. uh, it's, it's, it's a legal church in Brazil and there's a legal church in many places around the world. And even in Canada, it was legalized that they have the, the right to serve ayahuasca in their rituals. And mm. I think in some places in Europe, I don't, I'm not sure about the United States. So I've heard that. I he I've heard about Santo Daime. I was about 18 years old, maybe from the first time I had a friend who went there and he told me, oh my God, this is the most beautiful thing in the, in the world. I just feel so much love for everyone. My heart is exploding. I have no limits of who I can love or how much I can love. It's just feel this Christ energy in my heart. And I found that to be so exaggerated. And I was a little bit curious, but he said, but yeah, it's a church. And I was like, I don't want to go to a church. Mm. You know, I was like in that moment, a little bit more like rebellious, and I was like, I don't want to go to church. So until I was like 30 years old, and then I heard again about it. And I was living in Canada, and I was like, oh, I'm curious about it, but I'm not sure that I want to go to a Christian thing that, you know, like you're a sinner and all that. And, it, you know, and at the time I was already working with ayahuasca, but with in other traditions that mm -hmm. are not like a church. Yeah. So took me five years of working with ayahuasca to finally decide to go drink uh, Santo Daime in a church. And that happened because my last grandmother passed away. I was 36 already. And she was very like a religious person. And I, I wanted to go pray for her 
but I didn't want to go to just the regular church. I was like, well, if I can go to the church and drink the medicine, <laughs> I'm going to go do that, mm -hmm. you know, for my grandmother. So I went for the first time and it was um, Mother's Day. And um, I remember that I drank the medicine and right away I felt there was this beam of light coming from the cosmos and piercing my my forehead into the center of my brain. And I was like, okay, so this is like powerful connection. Okay, I, I, I received that. And then I just started receiving all those messages, you know, that why the, the Santo Daime church works in a format that is in a, a church, mm. you know, why do they work with ayahuasca in a church setting? Because that, that was all the information that I received because the, the divine energy, the, you know, the healing energy of the universe is so unbounded, yes. is so vast, is so luminous, is so limitless that in order for us to be able to go to receive it and to contain it, we need those limits that we need, we need structure. Mm -hmm. We need some kind of structure. So anything that's coming from the, this powerful creation that's, that has no limits in order to be manifested into our material world needs a structure. So the church provides that structure for uh, for holding that energy that's amazing and then that 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 was like one of the things and i said okay so it's good so i'm, I'm in a safe container for that energy and then i was still in my head you know like all there's all those hymns that they sang in the in the works mm -hmm. of the santo daime like for jesus and mary and joseph and you know all the saints and angels and archangels and St. Michael and, you know, and I was like, okay, why, why do I have to be singing to Holy Mary, you know? And then all of a sudden it just struck me like, well, those are universal energies that the Holy Mary is the divine feminine. The Holy Father is the principle of creation, is the masculine straight energy. Christ is the universal love in the heart. And then all the, the angels and all the saints, they, they personify some energies. And then it just occurred to me that every religion in the world, every, cult, every culture, they recognize those energies as real. You know, like in India, you have Shiva and Shakti and you have all the the different uh, gods that are personifying specific energies. And then in Greece, you have uh, well, Athena and Apollo and all those gods and goddesses. And then right. Africa, everywhere, like, it's just that we have different cultures and we give different names. And then I just, like, opened my heart. And, like, when I was singing, you know, Holy Mary, every time I'm talking about the mother, and Holy Mary, I'm talking about Mother Nature. I'm talking about the Divine Feminine, that is the Mother that creates everything. And every time I'm singing for the Father, the God, the God, that whatever that energy is, I'm talking about that principle that organizes matter. And it just like shifted something in, in my brain that it made me appreciate 
the Christianism and that the syncretism, you know, that this word of uh, in Brazil is very present, like where you mix everything up in this soup of beliefs mm -hmm. and uh, it just opens your heart, like expands your energy and, you know, there's no judgment, just like pure, pure love and healing. Yeah. Yeah. The, well, the message behind God is, is love, right? And so with uh, structured religion, a lot of religions function in fear. Mm -hmm. So they teach people to fear God and that they're going to hell for doing something wrong. I grew up thinking I was going to hell for every little thing I did wrong. And it wasn't until I was an adult and I learned a little bit more about spirituality and expanded my thinking about how God is love and love is healing. And like you said, expansive. There is no limit to the amount of love or healing or, or energy out there. And you start to step away from the fear and operate outside of fear. And then you start operating from a place of authenticity and creation and, and being genuine with who you are without worrying about fitting into someone else's construct of what you should and shouldn't be. It's, it's very freeing. Mm. I know life's good. <laughs> life's great. <laughs> I love what both of you have said. And I'm sitting here in this place of agreement and alignment and it is a beautiful discovery to see connection and correlation and pattern because we don't have to fight for what is who's right and who's got the one answer. The universe provides us all of this stuff because it likes variety, because it likes diversity. And they are harmonious. Mm. There aren't, there aren't, um, I'm sitting here with this cat and we're kind of in this craniosacral <laughs> beautiful loop here. This ancient Siamese kitty, this beautiful cat, Eichel's cat, um, Peanut. Anyway, Peanut and I are having a moment. <laughs> I think I'll leave it at that. I see you. Yeah, so just to to add something else to, to that, like this is something that more and more you know like i i love words and i love stories like i love the idea of using religion as a vehicle mm -hmm. to carry medicine yeah yeah that's, plant medicine it's it's yeah. because people need something to like relate. a container mm -hmm. yeah yeah i totally get that they need a language that they already speak mm -hmm. right they need familiarity. some people are afraid to learn new languages yeah familiarity so that it can relate to it and feel safe yeah um, exploring it yeah but also um what uh, i realized more and more in my in my life that we live by stories we are constructed by stories storytellings and we become the stories we tell ourselves what we are and all those religions they are so rich into different stories and then how things can go and how you explain or how do you can see things from a different point of view, you know, and you can agree or disagree with them, but it's just giving you a perspective. You know, mm -hmm. every story gives you a new perspective. And that's where I think it ties up with my approach into healing. That part, the big part of what I do is to is to help people to get out of a victim mentality mm -hmm. where they're powerless and that they need a doctor or somebody else to heal themselves. 
and to empower them to change the way they relate to chronic pain, the way they relate to illness, the way they relate to difficulties and, and challenges, you know, because if you are in a position where you feel like, oh, I, I don't know what to do, I don't know, I don't know, like I, I, I'm in that despair mode, it's very hard to get out of that situation. Mm -hmm. But if you empower yourself and, and say, okay, so there's facts, you know, my, my body is hurting. Right? Let's say you have like a, a liver condition. So, okay, that's a fact. But then how do you relate to that fact? Well, my, my liver is hurting maybe because I'm drinking too much. Maybe because uh, I'm eating too much sugar. Maybe because uh, the environment where I live, it's full of toxins and I need to detoxify my livers more often. And then you start to find ways of relating to that where you're not just like, oh my God, I want to get rid of this, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, listening to the subtleties that your body is trying to teach you, the lessons they're trying to teach you. Yeah, and, th and this brings me to something interesting also that I learned with one of my teachers, David Crow, who is a famous herbalist. And uh, I took a training with him where he, he taught us about the Ayurveda and uh, the gunas that are mind states. And we have three basic mind states that are sattva, rajas, and tamas. So into the tamasic, a state of mind. It is um, the state of mind where you're very like sluggish and you're lazy. And uh, when you get sick, you just want to numb yourself. You want to take a painkiller. You want to take uh, something to make you forget about that uh, symptom. When you're in a rajasic state of mind is you're angry. So you're very like, you want to cut it off, you know, like, oh, please make me a surgery. I want to, to take this part of me. I do anything. It's, it's something almost like violent, a violent approach, like radical. And uh, the sativic mind of the state of mind has sativic medicines and med approaches to it. There are people who are trying to understand. It's like, okay, I got sick. So why did I get sick? And, and they make efforts into healing themselves by changing their lifestyle, by uh, taking, you know, like a discipline of uh, changing and then drinking the medicines and, you know, like really going into the root cause of, of a problem. One of my, my, my missions, you know, into, into the healing work that I do is to, to help people to get into that sativic attitude where they take responsibility for their healing. They take that inner responsibility and they're not blaming, you know, like because the environment is the, the way it is, is a collective creation. Yeah. But what are you doing to, to change your relationship with the environment and your relationship with what the environment is causing you. Right. So, yeah. Beautifully said. Aishel, if somebody were to work with you, I know that you've mentioned that you work both with individuals and with groups. Mm -hmm. Can you describe what a session or a ceremony might look like? Maybe maybe working with an individual. Yeah. What? Yeah. What, sure. What could somebody expect to experience? Yeah. So um, I offer individual holistic healing sessions that I consider to be personalized, like customized rituals where I'm going to apply the, 
all the techniques that I've been learning in 20 years, you know. So a session would start with a conversation where we're going to go deep and uh, uncover what is the underlying cause of the problem. You know, people come to me with uh, different needs. It may be sometimes a, a chronic pain. It, it may be um, a feeling that there's an energy trapped in their gut or even something that's happening in their life that they recognize like that there's a pattern um, that let's say that they, they want to attract a, a soulmate and they feel that they're stuck, that their heart is closed, mm -hmm. you know? So we're going to go into feeling and uh, finding what is causing that to happen. You know, that chronic illness, that uh, energy blockage or, or uh, energetic pattern in your life. So a session starts with a conversation. Then I like to work hands-on. I trained extensively into different modalities of, you know, osteopathy, massage, reiki, shiatsu, um, Sufi healing, um, sound healing, crystal healing, you know, like. I, I've explored different ways of uh, treating uh, the body, the mind, and the emotions. So um, I'm going to invite you, if you come for a session, to, to lay down uh, on the table or in the shiatsu uh, mattress. And I'm going to use uh, those techniques, uh, craniosacral, uh, abdominal, abdominal massage, to bring you into a deep, deep state of relaxation, with the techniques that I'm going to apply that can be uh, craniosacral or massage or shiatsu, they're going to go into finding that the psychosomatic uh, root of, uh, of your disease or illness or blockage. And in this deep, deep state of, of relaxation, your parasympathetic nervous system relaxes. And it's in that space where your body can heal. Like when you get out of your system of uh, reaction to the world or the fight and flight system. So you get into that deep flow where the juices in your, in your spinal cord are, are flowing and then your articulations are relaxed and your, your breathing pattern gets softened. In that space, you can release the tension and the, the emotions that get trapped into the tissues because um, the emotions do go into the cellular level. And to release that, you need to, to get into an alternate state that only the parasympathetic nervous system can bring. So I, I could say that my specialty is to bring people into the parasympathetic. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. And then um, sometimes, you know, depending on the need, I'm, I'm going to do a guided meditation while you're in that state to reprogram your patterns and to, to bring uh, energy healing and visualizations and uh, expansions and clearing, protection, whatever you may need, you know, like working into uh, visualizing and the connecting with a, a sacred space inside of yourself because we all have a sacred space. We are, we are sacred spaces. Like we, our body is, is a vessel and a vessel has space. And this space is sacred. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, in that moment, I, I like to bring your consciousness and your awareness because also usually in that moment, you're in an altered state that, you know, in, in between 
waves and you're in a theta wave where you're highly suggestible and you can you can really reprogram a deep uh, pattern of healing and and get into the trust of your inner healing abilities so so that's basically how the session goes and then afterwards we have another part of a talking where you can share your experience with me and uh, I'm going to give you some counseling of uh, different um, yoga asanas, pranayam, or some plants that you can take and uh, some meditations you can do to extend the benefits of the session. Sounds beautiful. Yeah. Wow. Are you, uh, do you have any openings this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> right now, what are you doing in 30 minutes? <laughs> yes. Yeah. My, my sessions usually, um, I give I give at least two hours because um i like to to give the time you know like uh mm -hmm. it it takes so much time to for us to install attention and a blockage in our body and sometimes you know people just want uh, something immediate and mm -hmm. and so like oh but it is a journey you know when i when i say that this is a personal healing ritual it it takes it takes the time you know so i i, I don't like to rush and I like I like to enjoy those two hours of uh, undivided attention and and the healing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. And then are there um, are there follow up sessions ever? Do you work with people? Are there people who will come see you recurring, maybe because they have something in particular that they're working on or ex an expansiveness that they really want to grow? Yes. So they come back it's not necessarily a single session yes um yes uh some people do come regularly once a week or once every two weeks or once a month just for a tune-up for some people it's just like a, a sing single thing that they mm -hmm. they get what they need yeah and um but there's some cases you know where um the blockage it happens like in layers. In one session, we're going to release one layer, and then there is like a, an insight, and then the person goes home and has a dream, and then the way they next day, oh my god, I learned something, and I would like to go deeper into that aspect, and then we book another session. And before I, I moved to California about one year and a half ago, and I'm here in Venice for the past three months. But before that, I was living in Canada for 10 years. And um, this kind of work was my main work. And I had people coming to see me like for this past 10 years. And even some of those people, sometimes they, they come to travel to California and they come to see me. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is a, a long-term uh, relationship of support. But I like to give people autonomy to 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 find the healing for themselves. I, I like to to do this long term relationship where um, I can see the, the evolution of the healing process in someone. But I also like people to be autonomous and and find ways to heal themselves and to experiment healing from other practitioners and other modalities. I I am I'm very encouraging of that as well. I'm curious, because um, as healers, we all need healing on our journey as well. And it seems like you are very aligned right now, and you're very grounded, and you're very connected. What are some of the things that you do for yourself when you start to feel out of balance, or out of sync, or out of step? Mm, good question. 
Yeah. I I do a lot of yoga um, in meditation. I have a meditation practice that I do every day and grounding, visualizations. And uh, when I'm feeling out of it, really, it's self-care. You know, I go to sleep. Like, I'm tired. I need to go to sleep. I take a shower. I, I take a bath, you know, I, it's for me, it's something that I always tell like people who come to see me, you know, like the energy clearing is as important as the body hygiene, you know? So anytime you're feeling like your eyes are heavy, your back is heavy, like you feel just that sluggishness, take a sage and sage yourself, you know, take a, a bundle of sage or, or Palo Santo or incense or whatever you want and the clean, cleanse yourself. And um, I teach people also how to do a cord cutting because um, we get energies from other people that don't really belong in our own personal field. And uh, sometimes we're carrying stories and conflicts and stuff that we don't need to. And so you can cut, cut those cords and, and, and learn how to, to free yourself from that heaviness. Yeah, so I've been going a little bit all over, but I like to take south baths a lot uh, or go in the ocean. South is a very, very powerful cleanser for, for the energy, like the ions and the, you know, you have to rinse yourself afterwards to, to really remove the heaviness. But basically, the way I ground myself is with a, a daily practice. The way that I keep my, my ground and my center is, uh, is by uh, committing to doing a meditation every day and doing mantras and visual, visualization and cleansing my energy and taking care of my environment you know, like my home, how I, I put things around me, how uh, the relationship I have with the, the objects around me, all that influence my energy. So it's important to me to, to keep my environment uh, clean and organized and uh, makes me feel good. Yeah. And uh, we are recording right now in your home, mm -hmm. which is also the sacred space that you perform your healing and your ceremonies at. And it's absolutely beautiful in here. Mm. There's crystals everywhere and it smells amazing and peanut is just <laughs> next level out of this world. Um, and so when you talk about creating your environment, you've definitely done an amazing job here and you can feel it as soon as you walk in. Mm. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, being so in tune with energy, I'm curious as to what it's been like because you're seven months pregnant. Yes. So I'm curious what it's been like for you to have something growing inside you, someone, a soul growing inside you, and what your connection with that has been like. It's the most amazing, beautiful thing that ever happened in my life to, to carry a new life. This is something that I, I wanted for many, many years, and it took a journey of a healing process to arrive here. I wrote a, I wrote a post about it, uh, maybe two or three weeks ago, sharing my, my journey about it. And I'm going to try to make it short here. <laughs> but I had a difficult childhood, like many people. And at some point, I, I thought, I, I'm never going to have a child. I don't want another human being to suffer the way I suffer. Because for me, like being alive and being a child was a painful experience. 
So I was like, I don't want to, to make that happen to somebody else. And then when I was a teenager, you know, you, you have like your sex hormones coming up and you get confronted with the, the possibility of uh, having a child, you know, like you're only like 15 or 16 and all of a sudden, wow, if I have sex, I can get pregnant. And so I was super scared about it. And I was like, I don't want to have a child. And then uh, when I was 20... Two, I I got pregnant accidentally, and um, I was in a relationship with a man that was older, and who didn't want to have ch children. And he just took the decision and said, "You're not having this child. We're having an abortion." And I didn't have a t even time to think about it. I just went with emotions, and uh, I was so scared and ashamed at the same time. And and I, I had this procedure in Brazil. I was living there and it was illegal. It's still illegal in Brazil. Uh, abortion is illegal. And I couldn't talk to anyone about it. I didn't tell my family. I didn't tell anyone. And I just lived with it. And I had um, a tea copper, an IUD in my, in my womb for 10 years from when I was 22 until I was 32 because I was scared. And I was like, I never want to have another abortion again. So by, by the time I was 30, I was in a stable relationship. I was married and I was living in Canada. And uh, I was like, oh, I think, I think I'm ready. And like, I, I want to have a child. And then my partner didn't want it again. And then I was like, wow, there's something there. There's something there that, you know, like maybe I'm not ready, you know, like this partner doesn't want, the other partner didn't want. There's something that I need to resolve with myself. So I finally, I ended up that relationship for that reason, because I said, I, I really want to be a mother. And then I got into another relationship that was complicated and it wasn't happening until I discovered that the, the root cause of it was the relationship with my father, that I couldn't really trust the masculine. And I felt that uh, if I would get pregnant, I would be abandoned, like my dad abandoned my mom. And uh, my mom had so many difficulties and mental problems because of, uh, of that um, circumstance and what happened. You know, my father has um, alcoholic uh, problems and all that. So it took me many years of working with plant medicines, with uh, ayahuasca and peyote and mushrooms and all different um, approaches to finally get to that place of forgiveness inside of my heart. And then this is something that I like because I lived it myself, you know, I healed that in myself. I know I can help other people to heal it. And then that's for me part of what a, being a healer is. A healer is somebody who heals himself or herself. And then you can help other people in their path to healing themselves. So forgiveness is a huge, huge part into many, many healing processes. It's like as long as you hold on to past stories and hurts and you don't forgive, it's very hard to heal. So when I was able to, to heal my, the relationship with my father, so much prayer and so much uh, surrendering to, to the divine, the intelligence that I didn't know how to talk to him. I didn't speak with him for like almost 18 years. 
and I've, I was working with the Santo Daime at the church. And uh, one day I was just like ready. And I called my father and I, I, I spoke to him on the phone. I was in Canada and I said, listen, dad, um, how are you doing? I love you and I miss you. And he just started crying because I didn't speak with him for so long. And uh, the most important thing I said, you know, it's like, you know, I get it. Life is not easy for anyone. And you must have had your reasons to do what you did. But I don't know why you did that because we didn't even speak. And I just had one side of the story. That was the story of my mother, that she was so upset and so hurt by the situation. And then we started talking again. And then I went to visit him in Brazil only a couple of years ago. <laughs> and um, I went to meet him and I spent time with him and I cooked for him. And I, I really recreated the bond and I love him. And I really deep in my heart, I, can, I couldn't almost believe in how much I could be close to him after so much like avoidance and pain and anger and resentment. I, I really let every, all that go. And only two weeks after that, I was traveling and I met Alexander, who is my husband now and the, the father of my baby. And it was like at the same time that I could clean up and harmonize my relationship with the masculine, that I was able to, to meet a man that brought me into my feminine and uh, the surrendering where I can be a mother right now. Mm. So it was a deep like healing process, personal healing, just like feeling like the baby, and the energy of the baby is, um, I feel like I'm an open channel. Like every day is like a ceremony for me. I, I receive so much insight and I, I talk to the baby and the, in Kundalini, I'm learning so much uh, in the Kundalini tradition, you know, uh, how you can speak to the baby in certain hours, you know, from three to six a.m. and three to six p.m. and the baby's really listening and uh, you can teach the baby and that's the most of the most important things that you you can do like if you're pregnant is uh, to to tell the baby that he or she is safe and loved and that you're eager to meet him or her and teach everything that you know, everything that you believe, all the, the beauty that you see in the world, all the curiosity. And um, what I've been teaching my baby recently is to, to trust his or her intuition. I'm keeping it a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> of a, I don't know if it's a boy or a girl and that is, uh, you know, but I'm, I'm telling this baby, you know, like the most important thing in life is that you trust your inner voice and the, the inner compass of that's showing you the direction where you should go and you should always trust that. Life is gonna bringing you different challenges and different options, but that inner knowing, like it's your most uh, powerful tool. <sighs> kind of speechless. <laughs> <laughs> I just straight up turned my mic off for that one. <laughs> a lot resonates for me with your story. Mm. And, and eerily, it resonates deep with me. And I'm sure with a lot of 
women. And, and many women, for mm-hmm. sure. So, so many of us out there have had, yes, like you said, you know, difficult childhoods, dysfunctional families, families that don't know how to teach love. And there is ancestral wounding that then gets passed down if we ourselves aren't willing to look deeply at what is blocking us. Mm-hmm. And it's especially poignant that you were able to see that it was something for you that was preventing you mm-hmm. from carrying life, that it wasn't necessarily the men that were rejecting the idea of having a child, but that you realized for yourself that, huh, I have to clear something within me. Mm-hmm. Um And thank you for being brave enough to share your story. It's not easy to talk about trauma and abortion and, you know, just to think about the fact that it's in fact illegal in Brazil and Mm -hmm. that we still have a lot of work to do on uncovering the divine feminine and uncovering the divine masculine. And that is a lot of what we're here to do on the way of healing. Mm -hmm. So that's extraordinary. Yeah. And this is extraordinary being in this room with this beautiful mother to be and and she's sitting here. Yeah, you just radiate. It's <laughs> unbelievable. And her cat is giving OJ and I love, which is so nice. <laughs> Peanut, you're so great. Well, yeah. Th- this cat, I I have her for almost 18 years and uh She's been with you on the healing journey. Oh yeah, the whole thing. She is. She is my my teacher. <laughs> She's a little Buddha, you know. And the, I I was apart from her for nineteen months, like since I left Canada and I moved here to the U.S. And you know, my husband and I have been traveling a lot and then ungrounded, and now that we decided to ground here in LA. Um, I finally got her back like only two weeks ago. And it just makes me so happy to just to observe, you know, like uh, there's a great deal of um, learning we can do just by observing the beauty and the grace, you know, and the cats and flowers and plants. (laughs) They can teach much to us just by observing their beingness this is something that is a part of the other kind of work that I do. I like to lead ceremonies with plants that um, are not psychedelic necessarily. <laughs> um, you know, like last week I, I led a, a group ceremony for Valentine's Day that it was a rose ceremony and cacao. So I like to to work with the with the roses because they just have this powerful energy and they open their hearts just looking at them and this and the fragrance and uh, the delicacy of the petals and you know there's something when you're holding a rose that changes your whole posture it changes your whole attitude like because you have the thorns so you have to be delicate you know you cannot just grab a whole rose there is a whole awakening into your posture, into your skin, and then the sensibility of your fingers, that when you're taking that rose, you have to be gentle. And that gentleness, when you're smelling it, it's really like already elevating you. So it was very, um, it was very, very interesting to to lead that ceremony. And I, I want to do more of them in the future. 
but um, I'm also I also have been guiding cacao ceremonies and uh, I did some kava kava ceremonies that are with um, this Polynesian root that is very relaxing and very good also for talking and you know solving conflicts. But I, I've studied studied herbalism as well and aromatherapy, and so I I really like to help people to to find more connection and reverence for the plant world because we wouldn't be here if the plants weren't here mm -hmm. so they provide us food they provide us oxygen they provide us shelter clothing everything so when i do the the collective healing ceremonies is a lot with guided meditation and creating that space of uh, respect reverence and and presence with uh, the natural and the plant world are you leading one this weekend <laughs> is there space in it <laughs> not this weekend but uh, quite often yeah mm. <laughs> uh where can we find you um do you have a website you have uh, social media. Where can we? Can someone look for you in case they're interested in seeing you or coming to one of your ceremonies? Yeah. So um, you can follow me on social media: Instagram, Ishell Hill, and um, my I skin. Can yes. You spell that, please. Ishell is A Y C H E L E Hill H I L L on Facebook. The same. And um, I didn't talk much about it here, but I'm also a um, sustainability-driven entrepreneur. And I have a skincare and botanical perfume line made with ingredients from the Amazon rainforest. It's called Manaus Beauty, M-A-N-A-O-S, beauty.com. That project is a little bit on the hold now with the baby coming, but I'm planning to expand my line uh, after the baby comes and they bring new uh, botanical perfumes into the world. So you can find me there and uh, in my personal website, ishell.com, A-Y-C-H-E-L-E.com. Ishell, this has been <laughs> lovely. Thank you yeah. so much for having us here. This is sharing. a very sacred space. Thank and you. I'm, I feel blessed to have been with you today. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to The Way of Healing. We hope that you find yourself inspired. If you enjoyed our show, a gift is to let others know. And we want to hear from you. Please share your feedback so we know how our work is resonating. Make us aware of modalities and practitioners whom we may not know. If you haven't already, please subscribe at thewayofhealingpodcast.com. Our email is thewayofhealingpodcast at gmail.com and find us at facebook.com forward slash thewayofhealing. Remember, a rising tide lifts all boats.